Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Ephesians by Pastor Terry Keane. However, coming back to what is really more important, and that is the Word of God. And so this morning, I just, I've been thinking about this ever since I've been asked to, to preach and it was, knew it was about Christmas time. And, and so I thought, will I preach a sermon on one of the shepherds or the wise men or the baby Jesus or, or Mary or whatever? And I decided that I wouldn't. And I think it was the Holy Spirit really just showing me that there are other things other than that for Christmas and this morning, I wanted to just open up the Word of God, which is the book of Ephesians, far from being a book that would probably talk about the birth of Christ and the story of Christmas. But today, I just want to open it up and to share with you what I feel that God has said to me about the book of Ephesians. Interestingly enough, when I started preparing it, I couldn't stop at a particular point um, you know, you sort of get into it and you go, well, I think I'll just use that portion of scripture to be able to share it with the folks at church. But I decided, decided that I would just keep on reading the, 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 the exciting book of Ephesians and discovered that I could probably share it in a thumb sketch type thing or just the skeleton of it. And then I was, would encourage you to actually go home and read the book of Ephesians and to just put the meat to it, just really, really enjoy uh, what the book of Ephesians has to say. So this morning I'm sort of presenting a canvas, and it's a blank canvas. And on that blank canvas, I'm going to then be able to hopefully uh, paint some stuff on that so that you would go home and go, wow, okay, I've discovered something about God again. If I just open it up a little bit before I get into the depth of the of the book, Paul is the author, and I'm really, really amazed that, that this Paul was the man that actually was then in imprisonment in Rome. And for him to be able to describe what he described and what he wrote about in the book of Ephesians is extraordinary, especially for someone who was in prison. I mean, it wouldn't have been a pretty place. It wouldn't have been a nice comfy type of, uh, like they might have in our prisons today. They're not too bad. I mean, they, they think they're in a bad position, but there's quite a little bit of luxury for them. But I don't think so for Paul. And Paul was in prison, languishing there, but do you think that he would have been morbid, depressed, or just feeling like, as though, why has God forsaken me? To the contrary. And so from the very inner being of this man, he, in the time when he was in prison, began to express to the church at Ephesus exactly what he felt that they should know. And so he is the, uh, the, the, the author. Ephesians is in the same chronological group of Paul's letters as the book of Colossians, the book of Philemon, and the book of Philippians. And these collectively are what we call the prison epistles written by Paul's first Roman imprisonment. And I believe that Paul arrived in Rome around about AD 61. And it is considered that Paul then dispatched this letter or those letters to Philemon and even to, to uh, the Philippians and to the Colossians around about the same time at about 62 AD. So all I was wanting to do was just to put you into the picture of when this was actually happening. 
What was the, defini- the, the destination? It was Ephesus, of course. The, 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 the city of, of um, Ephesus was an amazing place. I often listen to travel-type programs on television and, and um, I, I'm very interested in, 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 in these older cities and especially Ephesus. And Ephesus was an ancient port city and you would not have even thought that um, when you look at it today. It looks far removed from where there was any water, but it was an ancient port city and it was considered as the most important Greek city and trading centre for all of the Mediterranean. So Ephesus was a phenomenal city. You think Brisbane's good? You know, like Ephesus, I think, would have been fantastic. And, um, and so in amongst all of that, there was this amazing early evangelistic thrust that brought about such incredible and amazing conversions. And today it's now an archaeological site, and it's still a beautiful looking place, even in its ruins. And uh, Lynn and I have been to Turkey, but we never ever went to to uh, to Ephesus. We'd been to Istanbul. My sister and her husband were with us at the time and they travelled around, came back telling us the stories about all these beautiful cities that are mentioned in the Bible one day maybe. And so Ephesus was this significant church in Turkey as known today. And as I said, it was magnificent even in its ruins today. It's also, uh, it's mentioned in, not only in the book in the New Testament, but also in the book of Revelation. Pastor Sean, some weeks ago, talked about the church at at, at Ephesus. And I'm going to just turn to it quickly, and just to remind you of what God said through Jesus to the, um, through John, I mean, through, um, in chapter 2. It says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and that you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. So they're great comforting type of verses and words that were given to the church at Ephesus. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds that you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. And then it says, yes, this, yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Wow, pretty good stuff there. And so that's, that's a very uh, important sort of understanding of what this church was all about and who it was. So the, the, the contents of this book, it's a letter along with the Colossians, as I've said, emphasises the truth, emphasises the truth that the church is the body of which Christ is the head. And this is where we need to be really, really thoughtful as a church and consider this constantly, that we don't take over the headship ourselves as a church, that we always have Christ as the head of this church, as well as he is the head of the whole church. 
And that has actually been mentioned in Romans chapter 12. There's a little snippet of it there. It was wanting to have it being developed. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but Paul develops it even more. And it's there's no higher point of revelation that is reached in this letter which shows the believer as, an, as seated in the heavenly places. This is one of the most extraordinary um, uh, revelations that is given to the church. And I wish that this morning that you would grasp the enormity of what that position is. You know, like, when I look through this book again, I just realise just how privileged I am as a Christian. How privileged I am. And as we hear what we're hearing over these last couple of years, and we, we have, as a church, have really been very strong and deliberate in being able to just allow you to maintain a Christian life, encouraging you Sunday after Sunday and life groups after life group, to be able to live in that place where God has intended you to live. And there's, if, if there's any time that we should live in that place, it's now. Right now, we should be really taking hold of what God has said through the book of, Revel, of, of uh, Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 1, let's have a look. And, and don't be nervous because I am going through the whole book. So, you know, like I know some of you have probably looked at your watches already, but however... It will not happen that I'll have been here for two hours. It will not. It'll be one maybe, but not now. I'm only joking. And, and I, I have looked at this and I know that I'll be able to deliver it in the time. Not that anyone is putting that on to me, but I'm just conscious of the fact that... Yeah. So in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're reading verse... I'll, I'll go to verse 1 and, and 2 and 3. And it says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. Come on, let's have a look at some of these words. Grace to you. Peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What beautiful poetry. What beautiful things to be able to express. Wouldn't you, wouldn't, wouldn't you want a letter like that? You know, if you were in a, in a bit of a hot spot or in a time when you really wanted to be encouraged, wouldn't you want a letter from Paul exactly like this? But have a look at what it says in verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's even adequate enough. But there's something even more. It says, who has what? He's what? Blessed us. Tell it one more time. Blessed, blessed us. us. He has blessed us with just a few spiritual blessings. No, 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 no. With every spiritual blessing. Is that a mistake? Do you think that Paul was getting a bit too excited? Was he getting a bit uh, over the top about it? Not at all. Because what he was doing, he was actually saying, this is who you are and this is where you are. And you are blessed with every, every, every spiritual blessing that is in the heavenly places in Christ. And if we believe that heaven is what it is, wow. We are in for an amazing... And, and I know that we live in that, but we really want to encourage you today to be able to live even deeper and firmer in that understanding. In verse 20 of the same chapter, and, uh, and I, I just go to verse uh, 18 to get it into context, and Paul is praying here. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, and that's another sermon in itself, but the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. 
I hope you don't go home the same as you came this morning. I hope you go home, not just because Terry preached it, but you've heard the word of God and you go home and you go, look, who I am in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. Hallelujah. And what are the riches of the glory in verse 18 of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. One more little verse that I want to just put it together again. In chapter 2 of the same book, in verse 4, but really looking at verse 6. Don't I love these words? But God, being rich in mercy. Look, I love all his words, hey? Because of his great love, and there we saw it on the screen today, as much as it was awful probably even looking at it, but we had to understand that that's what Christ went through when he went on on the cross for us. And he gave his great love for us, which he loved us. And even when we were dead in our own transgressions, he made us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then in verse 6 it just confirms this whole thought. He says, and raised us up with him. He's what? He's raised us up. And he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As I say, let's let's really, really get excited about this this morning because I am actually. And we are exhorted through this chapter, if we are positioned there, It's okay to go, wow, that's fantastic. I love being in that heavenly place. But there's something that comes with it. And it says here that if we're going to be positioned there, we must actually live according with this high calling. We cannot afford to live like as though we're not in the heavenly places. And this is where the church has, not ours, I'm saying, but the church overall has failed the the, the communities and the world. But there's a church here that sits at Sixth Hook Street that has a, a, a strong desire and passion to follow Christ and to follow him wholly. And there's, even though it's a, it, sometimes it's a struggle, sometimes it's difficult, there are circumstances that come, but I say to you that we are really wanting to just allow you to know that you are a church of importance to us as the eldership and pastors, but also to God himself. Hallelujah. And so we must live according with this high calling. And so we're going to just break this up a little bit now. Actually, the letter falls into two main parts with three chapters each. Okay, so for example, chapters one to three, we are told that we are in Christ. In chapter four to verse to chapter six, we are told what we are to do because we are in Christ. You can't live in the heavenly places and pretend you're up there if you're not living according to it. And so this morning we are, we are bringing ourselves into line with what Christ has for us. And so I'll unpack that a little bit later, and I will, because often pastors say, I'll unpack that later, and you never, you wonder, he hasn't unpacked it yet. You know, I'm still going home trying to figure out what he was saying. I'm not saying about you, no, not at all. But however. Okay, so what's the, what's the theological significance? The theological insight and depth of this letter are so great, are so great that some 
have considered it to be the most profound work within the entire Bible. Now, that's quite a statement. Now, it's not saying that all the rest of the word in the Bible is not correct or right or truth or whatever. I think what you can sort of see what they're trying to say here is that they're he'd wanting the, 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 the theological um, understanding of it or the significance is that it is profound. And when we start to look at and open up this whole book, my goodness me, I remember just thinking about it. Uh, Richard Wormbrandt, who remembers hearing about him way back? Yeah. And Richard Wormbrandt um, was a real uh, passionate spokesperson considering people who were imprisoned in communist countries and, and didn't have Bibles. And so there were, there were uh, efforts in, in, in order to be able to make sure that they received the word of God and that they weren't forgotten because they're in prison. And he would say that, um, I remember when we lived in Sydney, we would often go off to Richard Wormbrandt. And, um, and however, that's beside the point. But he would even say that there were men and women that were in, imprisoned because of the fact that they believed in Jesus in communist countries, that they would even just have a page of the Bible. A page. And it meant so much to them. They would read that page. And they, because they believed that that word was illumined by the spirit, illuminated by the spirit of God, that it spoke to the heart of man, and that it turns him around and turns her around, so that he or she will then believe in Christ. And that was so emotional. Sorry, emotional for me and Lynn when we would listen to this and one page. And I just sort of thought, you know, even if you just had the book of Ephesians, what a glorious chapter or book that you would have if you were ever in a place where you could only have a portion of the scripture. However, we won't, we won't just sort of spend too much time on that. So no book in all, in all the Bible gives such a panorama of God's redemptive purpose. It starts from the foundation of the world. And if you have a look at in chapter 1 and verses 3, and we'll go to verse 4, Go back to where it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We haven't forgotten what comes next, do you? Have you? What that comes next? You've been blessed. Come on, you've been blessed with every what? Yeah, come on, let's remind you. Every spiritual blessing. Are you feeling it? You feeling it? Good. Every spiritual blessing. But in verse 4 it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Sue, he thought of you before the foundation of the world. Terry, Anita, Dave, all of you, he thought of you before the foundation of the world. Isn't that most extraordinary thing? He knew you. How precious. And in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. And it could go on and I could preach it there forever. And then its consummation is actually recorded, even though you'd think it'd be the end of the book of Ephesians, but it's actually mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 to 23, where it says that he brought about in Christ, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he 
put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, hallelujah, we're his body, and the fullness of him, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Are you wanting today? Are you feeling that you're wanting? There's something today you take hold of what Ephesians at least says about what Christ says about himself, what God is wanting and intending you to enjoy. The breadth of the entire biblical message is encompassed in this letter. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He made us alive from sin by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's in chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. I read that earlier. And in verse 7 and also in verse 8 to 10. In verse 8 to 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the what? The gift of God. Wow. What a God we serve, hey? Not a what a God. There are people out in that world. I listen to neighbours behind me, which is a sad, sad thing. And I've, I've never heard neighbours, they came in, it's in a, it's a, forgive me, it's not because it's a rental, but they rented the house and they are people who have no hope. I can tell by the way they speak, the language, and they are loud. And, and last night, sadly, I had to call the police because the, the, the time was, it was just getting beyond us, you know. It was really late in the night and, and yet, but... Even though I felt awkward ringing the police, I felt a deeper, deeper hurt inside me to think that these people have no hope whatsoever. There's not an expression in their talk in the back in the backyard under the under their uh, awning, whatever they you know, outdoor area, and and they, they yeah, and they just talk loud and they they swear all the time and there's abuse to each other. And I, I just think what sadness there is within these people. It's like they have no idea. I feel like screaming, you know, something out to them. And probably I need to do something. I have to think this through a bit. But however, um, you know, but there's, there's um, yeah. It's, by, anyway, well, let's come back. And so it's not a result of works, this gift. And no one should boast. For we are his workmanship. Isn't this beautiful? We are his workmanship. <laughs> We're created in Christ Jesus for why? Yeah, we can say it, you know. It's, it's not just all faith, it's good works, isn't it? For good works. When you're, when you're in faith in Christ, there's nothing better, nothing more rewarding, nothing more exciting than actually doing good works. It's not because you're going, oh, look at me, look at me, you know, yeah. It's not that at all. It's what you're trying to, to express to people about the, the, the saviour that you belong to and, and have lived in your life. And so we are, we are created for Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand anyway, that we should, what is the key word there? Walk in them. What is it that we walk in them? Okay. And then not only in, this is where I'm doing this bird's eye view, and it says that by breaking down the middle wall of partition between the Jew and the Greek, male and female, bond and free. 
Last night I was listening to this man. I was standing in the backyard. It looked, must have looked silly, but however, I'm standing in the backyard trying to record and trying to get onto the police because this man was berating his wife so badly that it, 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 it pained me. And, and, she, and, and then the poor woman could not do anything else but um, um, respond because she couldn't, she felt that she had, was justified in just wanting to, to tell him how bad and how awful he was as well. And, and so, um, you know, like there's, we are equal. You know, he breaks down this wall. Bond and free, and it comes about in chapter two, about verse eleven, and 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 then verses twelve to sixteen. And I'm not going to to establish too much in that, but except for verse thirteen, and it says, "But now in Christ Jesus, who formerly were far off, have been brought near by what? You're looking at it right there in the word. It's the blood of Christ. We're brought near." By the blood of Christ, and uh, but but and and for He Himself is our what? This is what we want in this time of trouble. He is our peace. That's right. He is our peace, who made both groups into one. So what He's saying is that you're not divided. You are one. Sadly, that's not in case in the world. But uh, however, we know it in, from the Word of God that that's what has been done and it's broken down and he broke down the barrier of the dividing wall and he abolished in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments. Oh my goodness, how exciting is this? Verse 16, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. It's always through the cross, always through the cross. There's no other way but through the cross. However... He made us a new creation in Christ in chapter 3 and verses 11 to 19. And uh, that's quite an extraordinary little block of of verses there. But believe me, there's there's some fantastic stuff here too. If you have a look in, in verse 14... And Paul is speaking here and he says, for this reason, and there's a reason, there's tribulations. He was saying in verse 13, I ask you not to lose heart at his tribulations. He was going through a lot. He was in prison. He he was in an awful place. For they are your glory. And then he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. You know, like he could have been bitter. He could have been just thinking of himself. He was just sort of saying, oh, well, let them just sort themselves out. No, he would have it. He had a heart and he wrote and he wrote and he expressed, you know, and this is what he was saying. He said that he, in this prayer where this family derives its name, he says, I would, in verse 16, that he would grant you, that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened. You know, these are great words to be able to just underline. Strengthened with what? Power and might through his spirit in the inner man. Wow. And so that Christ may dwell, take residence, live in your hearts through faith and that you may be rooted and grounded in love. You know, not just superficial, but real deep love for God and really establish yourself in the word of God and through prayer and and so on. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth of Breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of, um, of of his love, and know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up 
to all the fullness of God. I mean, goodness me. This is powerful stuff, isn't it? I trust that, that when you leave this morning, that Ephesians is never the same book that it was before, that somehow it's just going to just bring about such a passion for Christ and a passion for the, and, and, and for the love of, of God. There, and, doesn't it make you feel sad that look like that, you probably feel sorry for you? He might do. It's weird, isn't it? Yes, it probably is too. That's very true, yes. Good, yeah, good thought. I never thought about that. However, in verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Hey, come on, what did it say there? Just a little trickle? Was it a trickle? No. Exceeding. Exceedingly abundant. Woo, hallelujah. Exceedingly abundant. Come on. According to the power that works within us, and to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, you thought that was the end of the sermon. No, it's not yet. So just walk, just work with me a little bit more. And so, so he's, he's done all this. And then another point that we might grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I've read that. We are called to walk worthy of his calling in chapter 4. And if we begin to have a look at chapter 4, and from then it's, uh, it's how we would then live as a Christian. In chapter 4, we are called to work, to walk worthily of his calling. And uh, I think I'll highlight that. It says, therefore, in verse 1 of chapter 4, the prisoner of the Lord entreats you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility, with meekness, with patience, Showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to persevere or to preserve, sorry, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's what we're encouraged to do. And then, of course, it expresses this beautiful thought about one Lord, one faith, one baptism in chapter four, verses four to six. And then we're encouraged to just keep that peace to keep that peace. And such a summary of the vast reach of God's purpose is found nowhere else in all of the scriptures. This is my go-to book, I have to tell you. I'm not just making that up. It's my go-to book in the Bible. If I need to have some direction, some peace, so I have to have some, it's either Philippians or, or Colossians or Ephesians, mainly Ephesians, because there's just, it's a package. It's just whew, right there. Everything is there. And uh, so good. Now, I said earlier that I would unpack the believer's position in Christ and the believer's conduct in the world. And uh, so thanks for bearing with me. If, if anyone would ask you, how do I live the Christian life? It's all here in the Ephesians, I reckon. And if you need more convincing, read Colossians then, because these are the letters, as I said before, I love. So now I'm going to use that word walk and to just unravel it for you, just unpack it a little bit for you. In chapter 4, in verses 1 to 16, if we needed to have an idea of how we would walk worthily would be in chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. The way we do it is in, in, in verses 1 to 6 where we keep the unity of the Spirit. It is most, most important. And especially in the life of a church, and as, as, as 
as, as large as ours, you know, to keep that unity. And even as it gets larger, to keep that unity. There's no excuse for it not to be there. And so we need to, to walk in that unity of spirit. And the gift of Christ is available to us, as it says in chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, and so is faith and knowledge in verses 13 to 16. And for some of us, it's a different walk. There are people in our church who were walking in one direction, if not all of us, but recently uh, we've seen the joy of people who had been walking in a direction but going the wrong way, coming to a a place of repentance and then turning around and accepting Christ's salvation and walking a different walk. And that's mentioned in... Uh, in verses 17 to 32 of chapter 4, it's a description of how the Gentiles walked. And you, this is where you can then go home and just start to have a look at the extra bit, you know, put a bit more flesh to the, to the skeleton that I've given you today. And in chapter, in verse, uh, point 2 is putting off the old, putting off the old. It's like wearing clothing, You know, you put it off and you put it on, and so you put on the new, which is coming comes out in about um, verse twenty. I think it is twenty to twenty-four. Yeah, but you did not learn in Christ this way, which is what they were saying that you were walking like Gentiles before. But you did not learn it in that way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the the lust of deceit, that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, that has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. God putting it all together. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he wants you to walk worthy of the gospel of Christ. He wants you to walk worthy. And then in, in, um, and then in, in verses 25 to, to 32, which I won't open up anymore, it's just a practical application. Now, in chapter 5, he actually talks about a loving walk. So there's a a worthy walk, there's a different walk, and now there's a loving walk. And that's mentioned in verses 1 to 14. And he he mentions in verses 1 to 7 about how we are to be imitators of God, that we are to imitate him. Sadly, there are times when we are caught out, we're not imitating God, we're not imitating him. And we're, we're, we're acting irresponsibly or not reverently at all. But we are to be imitators. We're to walk in love, etc. And we're to walk in the light in verse 18, 8 to 14. And then at the end of the chapter, it says that um, uh, chapter 15 and right through into a little bit of chapter 6, he talks about the wise walk, the wise walk. And then... Really, really important is the, the, the latter part of the Bible uh, chapter of, uh, or the book of Ephesians is the Christian walk in warfare. And in verses 10 to 20, 
We're encouraged to be strong in the Lord. We're to pray for all people. And then there is these most beautiful greetings that Paul gives to the uh, Ephesian church and he talks about them in verses 21 to 24. But in chapter 6 and verse 10, right through just to verse 15, uh, to um, verse 18. I'm just going to read this because this is a good place to finish. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God. How much of it? The whole. the whole of it. That you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers. I want you, when you see these words, it's not just graze over them. I would hope that when you read these words that you go, oh, sorry, just destroyed, just destroyed the microphone. You know, let it just come into here, you know. And, and, and so to stand, to, um, to, not to struggle, where was I? Verse 11, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For yours, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. We don't have to focus on them. We don't have to think that there's a demon behind every blade of grass, but we just have to know that there's a principality out there that we have to contend with. And... Um, and, and so it, 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 against the forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, you take up that whole armour. Come on, put it on today. Put on the armour of God that you may be able to resist in the day, in that evil day. And having done everything, laid out cold, stabbed, maybe, but... Standing firm. Standing firm. Okay? Standing firm. Stand firm, therefore, in verse 14, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in addition to that, taking up the shield of faith which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles. It doesn't say some. So you've got to look at some of these words. It's all. Don't go around saying, oh, I didn't think that worked. No, come on. He says all, that all the flaming missiles of the even one. You take the helmet of salvation, make salvation your helmet, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, if there's any church in this little place of Kapalabar, this is what we teach here, the word of God. It's true, it's active, it's alive, powerful. And the prayer and the petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And so I trust that this morning we had a blank canvas. <laughs> and I hope that today that I've been able to help paint a picture, just in a very brief time, yeah, maybe 40 minutes, so okay. And, and so in, that, in this opportunity when we're together, let's just ask God by his Holy Spirit, just quietly in your heart today, just say to God, and I'm not forcing you, I'm just saying, God, 
This book of Ephesians that has been provided for me can establish me in every which way as a Christian. Today, if there's any part of the word, I take this word that has been preached to me today, that has been shared from AD 62 and been available to us right now to 20, almost 22. How exciting that it's still relevant today and still able to impact our lives. I trust that today that that will be the case. The picture has been painted and now you go home and hang it up in the gallery of your heart. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.